You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Disinformation at the UN, Russian cyber operations against Ukraine, German police take down a major contraband market, at least someone's carrying on for lapsus, there's a compromise at MailChimp, Joe Kerrigan describes JavaScript vulnerabilities, Carol Terrio has an eye on romance scams through the lens of Netflix's The Tinder Swindler, and a well-known gang branches out. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. Fighting in Ukraine shifts as Russia retreats from Kyiv to reconstitute and shift forces to the Donbas and the Black Sea. U.S. National Security Advisor Sullivan sees a long war ahead, Bloomberg reports, one that could last for months. It's necessary to devote some attention to Russian disinformation and its debunking, since we can expect to see Russia's themes planted and amplified online. After the United Nations Secretary General this morning called for an immediate end to the war against Ukraine, a humanitarian ceasefire, Ukrainian President Zelensky addressed the United Nations Security Council. He denounced in detail Russian atrocities in Bukha and other cities Ukrainian forces have now retaken. We all know, Mr. Zelensky said, what Russia will tell the world. They will blame everyone just to justify their own actions, he said. Russia's method has been to insist that there are differing accounts of events and divergent interpretations, but this is done just to sow confusion. In this case, however, President Zelensky said, the evidence is incontrovertible and preserving that evidence and publicizing it is vitally important. He said, the Russian military and those who gave them orders must be brought to justice immediately for war crimes. He called for trials like those held in Nuremberg after World War II, pointedly reminding Russian diplomats that the Nazi foreign minister Ribbentrop didn't escape punishment in 1946. President Zelensky called for equal treatment of all nations, 
and an end to the privilege Russia has enjoyed as a permanent member of the Security Council. Russia's representative on the Council, in a strikingly mendacious response, asked that the UN recognize Russia's humanitarian work in Ukraine. He deplored Ukraine's interference with those efforts. He characterized Russia's mass abduction of Ukrainian citizens to Russia as a voluntary humanitarian effort. As we note, these themes can be expected to reappear in Russian disinformation over the coming week. Security firm Intezer followed up CERT UA's discovery of a new malware framework being used in phishing campaigns. They said a recently developed malware framework called Elephant is being delivered in targeted spear phishing campaigns using spoofed Ukrainian governmental email addresses. The four malware components delivered are used for stealing credentials, documents, and to provide remote access to the infected machine. Two of these components were first reported on by the Computer Emergency Response Team for Ukraine, that's CERT UA, in March 2022. They named the two components Graph Steel and Grim Plant. When investigating these events, we have identified that Elephant has also been delivered via phishing emails from spoofed Ukrainian email addresses. Elephant is a malware framework written in Go. Germany's federal police, the BKA, today announced its takedown of Hydra Market, the largest Russophone dark web contraband market. The blockchain analysis firm Elliptic says that it's been able to determine that Hydra Market has processed some $5 billion in Bitcoin since 2016, with its take peaking in 2021. The BKA said that it had seized about 23 million euros from the illegal trading platform and that its investigation and takedown had been accomplished in cooperation with international partners, especially U.S. law enforcement agencies. In addition to trading such contraband as illegal drugs and stolen data, Hydra Market was heavily involved in money laundering. London police may have arrested several alleged leaders of the Lapsus Group and arraigned two of them, but Naked Security reports that the gang's activities seem to have resumed. Evidently, some of its members are carrying on even after the leader's arrest. MailChimp says it's discovered and contained a data breach accomplished by criminal social engineering. TechCrunch reports that about 300 user accounts were compromised and that customer data was extracted from 102 of those. The stolen data appears to have been put to use in phishing attempts against the cryptocurrency and financial services sectors. Bleeping Computer reports that cryptocurrency customers appear to be particularly at risk. The problem is social engineering on the basis of stolen information, not direct corruption of MailChimp's systems. In what appears to be news from the C2C marketplace, according to researchers at Mandiant, the financial cybercrime gang Fin7 is branching out. Hitherto best known for breaking into payment systems and corporate networks, Fin7 has now added ransomware to its repertoire. Fin7 is now using Arrival, Darkside, Black Matter, and Alf B ransomware. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. 
Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Our correspondent Carol Terrio recently checked out the popular Netflix film The Tinder Swindler, and that's got her pondering romance scams. She files this report. Based on a glut of news coverage that I'm seeing from my little corner of the internet, Netflix's Tinder Swindler is all the rage. Don't worry if you haven't seen it, I won't ruin it for you, other than to say it shows to what lengths some people are willing to go to dupe another person. There are a number of jaw-dropping moments that made me take pause, because normally when I hear about romance scams, I find it hard to relate to the conned individual. Normally I'm thinking, how could she... Yeah, it is normally women who are victims here in romance scams. How could she not see what was going on? But Tinder Swindler opened my eyes, because I related to some of the victims doing their due diligence to try and see if this was a good match for them. See, I'd like to think that's what I would do, too. But turns out just because you do your due diligence does not mean you definitely will not be conned. And this is an important topic because romance scams have skyrocketed. Did you know that according to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, online dating scams cost Americans $304 million during the lonely months of the 2020 pandemic? That figure has increased almost 50% from 2019. And the U.K. isn't any different. There were reportedly more than 7,500 cases of romance fraud in the last year alone, an annual rise of 40%. So... Let's take this opportunity to go through just a few things to look out for if you should find yourself in the online dating scene. And really, it comes down to noticing and reacting to red flags. Like if the profile is too incredibly heroic and Prince Charming-like, or perhaps the pictures are a little bit blurry or even look a bit photoshopped. Maybe they never want to meet you in person or even have a video call with you. Maybe they try and employ the love at first sight tactic using language like, I've never met anyone like you before. I've never felt this way. Something like that to make you feel all a flutter and lose your head. And the whole game is to move you from a potential love interest into love zone as quickly as possible. Because once you are there, they can start trying to get their grubby little hands on your hard-earned cash. And the killer, the killer in all this, 
is that so many of us right now are isolated, lonely, in need of communion with another person more than ever before. So we're sitting ducks. And how do ducks protect themselves? They stay in a pack. So if you do find a love interest online, tell your friends and your family about it. Get their take and listen to the people who love you. Because there's one thing I've learned on how to defeat scammers is there's power in numbers. It's much easier to fool one person than it is to fool three or five or ten. This was Carol Terrio for The Cyberwire. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, interesting um, information coming from you and your colleagues over at Hopkins. That's right. Uh, you all uh, identified a vulnerability in some websites. So yep. what exactly is going on here, Joe? So this is some research done by Dr. Yunzi Kao and some of his PhD students. Hmm. And they found a vulnerability, it's a JavaScript vulnerability, called Probe the Proto, which is something when you're writing JavaScript, I haven't written JavaScript in years, uh, but I did get a look at the vulnerability. And it permits a user or a malicious actor to inject arbitrary code into the JavaScript prototype, which can then essentially export any information out, including like tokens, browser tokens and cookies and things. Oh, wow. And allows session hijacking and a lot of other cross-site scripting attacks. Okay. Uh, but that's not what I want to focus on because I wasn't involved in the technical portion of this, but because Dr. Cow is an, an ISI instructor and he found a vulnerability, he worked with me as the Information Security Institute's Vulnerability Disclosure Coordinator to tell the websites that he and his team uh, examined. Now, the examination <laughs> happened offline. So we we requested the websites. The students requested the websites, ran the um, the analysis on a local computer. Right. That analysis was not, we didn't do anything against anybody else's computer. All we did was access freely available websites and yeah. then analyze them. Okay. To see if they were vulnerable. 2,700 of these websites were vulnerable. Hmm. out of the top 10,000 websites. So did you fire up the Hopkins bat signal? That's that's right. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay. This was the largest vulnerability disclosure that I've that I think we've ever done. Wow. Right? Because we found this vulnerability, it's out there, it's 2700 sites that we know about. Yeah. Right? And these are only the ones we looked at. 
There are probably many more sites that are vulnerable to this this uh, attack, but then we had to notify all the 2,700 sites, which mm-hmm. was a huge task. Yeah. So I wrote the 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 disclosure document. I you know, and and I handed that off to the students because there's no way I was going to be able to go through and do everything. Additionally, when I was going to be uh, when when a question was going to be asked about <laughs> about this. I wasn't going to be able to answer the technical questions as well as the students and Dr. Cal were. Sure. I mean, I could have done that, but that would have taken much more time than I had. Yeah. Uh, And as long as I'm involved in the process, that's fine. What I want to talk about is what happened when we made 2,700 disclosures. Okay. We heard back from uh, maybe 50 of these people, 50 of these organizations who had questions. Now, I will say this. The tone of every, every one of these organizations was... Gratitude and appreciation for the work. That's good. Right? Uh, And in the letter, I made sure that we described that we weren't actively exploiting anything on their systems at all. Right. We were just doing doing the analysis back home, but that analysis could be done or that vulnerability could be exploited via cross-site scripting. Right? Okay. Uh, And we also provided the fix for it because the fix is actually fairly simple. Oh, good. Out of the 2,700, about 50 people responded, which to me says that a lot of these sites just didn't even read the email. Yeah. And that's not uncommon in my experience. Right. Companies need to have some kind of vulnerability disclosure process, regardless of who they are. You know, if you have a website anywhere that you maintain, somebody has to be able to tell you about vulnerabilities on that website, even if you don't maintain it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're a small business, small, medium-sized business, and you have a contractor that says, uh, we'll, host your we- we'll host and manage your website for you. Ask them this question. How do you handle when somebody discloses a vulnerability on my website? Mm-hmm. That's an important question to ask. Mm-hmm. Is there a real human being who's reviewing these submissions? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see 100% response from these things. Oh, hey, great. Thanks. We'll fix that. Right. But and, and maybe that's what happened with a lot of them. Maybe maybe a lot of them just said, "Oh, look at this. We'll just make this change to the JavaScript and we're done." Yeah. Uh and but I I don't know that that's what happened. Yeah. I don't know. Is there any uh plans to go back and and do any checking to see, uh, you know, a year from now revisit some of these sites and see if it's been fixed? That is interesting. That would be some good follow-on research, wouldn't it? <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'll just take that honorary doctorate. Any, uh, it's, <laughs> right. There's two T's in Bittner. So, right. uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll hook you up with Dr. Cow and maybe you could become one of his PhD students. There you too. go. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> All right. Well, so, I mean, what's the take home here for you? Are, are you, are, were you disappointed to not see more response or I, I, I guess... I was not disappointed. disappointed, but not surprised. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? I guess maybe that's what the better way to say it. I am happy to see that no one said you better not disclose this or we'll sue you. Oh yeah. Cause I, that happens sometimes. It does. Right? And uh, I have a response for that. Yeah. <laughs> I say, you know, our council knows about this. Yeah. You are welcome to sue us. Right. <laughs> it, it will not end well for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, because this is some, this is a mistake that you've made. Right. And it's a mistake that's out there, and we're going to publish the the methodology, and it will be in the uh, you know in the vulnerability mindset within a couple of months. And we gave everybody a a good non disclosure, good long non disclosure period on this. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if you're interested in the actual vulnerability, uh, again, uh, I guess just do a search for probe the proto, and you'll find. Uh, 
the publications that uh, Johns Hopkins, uh, the ISI, has put out about this. Uh, interesting stuff. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. That's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 